We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Six Man Show, an Orlando Magic podcast, with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic basketball. By fans, for fans. Go Magic. What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. It is November 29th, 2021. Jonathan Osborne here, as always. I am joined by my co-host, Luke Sylvia. Luke, how are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. Um, not really because of the magic. I'm good because my Gators made a, a head coach hire, which I'm a fan of. Um, I'm happy because my Gators beat Florida State. Shout out Kevin Tucker, our producer, who's a Florida State fan. Uh, I'm happy for a lot of reasons, but none of them are the reason of the Magic going 0-4 uh, this past week. That's for sure. Yeah, it was a, a rough week. Um you know, for uh, for Magic fans, were you a fan of the Dan Mullen hire? Like, were you really excited about that when that took place? Or yeah, yeah, I was because he. I mean, he he was the offensive coordinator when when the Gators won. Um, you know, in the you know early two thousands, essentially, right? So, um, alongside Urban Meyer, he was a big piece of that. Uh, with Tebow and all that kind of stuff, he went went on to you know coach the likes of you know um Alex Smith, Dak Prescott. Um, those guys. So, uh, yeah, you, I mean, you couldn't help but be excited. He got off the plane and it was just electric from the beginning. And it seemed like he really wanted to be there. He, he learned, he knew how to win with the program and, uh, unfortunate it didn't work out, but it all turned really quickly. Um, it's known that Gator fans and the boosters don't give their head coaches more than really a season or two of not being good. Um, but Dan Mullen had kind of already spoiled us with, you know, a couple 10 win seasons, things like that. So it was hard not to hold him to a high standard. So, you know, this year going six and six, um, getting let go before the Florida State game. I mean, it, it was a miracle to win that game with the circumstance that, you know, the program's in. But, uh, yeah, I, I was initially a, a big fan of the Dan Mullen hire. Well, hopefully moving forward, you guys will have some uh, better luck down there in, uh, in Gator Nation. A couple of housekeeping items before we start talking some Orlando Magic basketball. So shout out to our patrons really appreciate everyone's support. Shout out to Court Cousins, Drew Gooden, Armin, Keith Garcia, Zico, Carson Tulo, Nathan Lynn, Ellis, Norm L, Magic Player History, Julio, and Joseph Chubb. If you guys are interested in helping uh, monetarily support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash the six-man show. There are three tiers that you can choose from. 
um, a $2 tier just to help support the show each month, um, a $5 tier that comes with some benefits, and a $10 tier where you get a bunch of different benefits. So I uh, appreciate you guys that are supporting us. And again, if you're uh, interested in supporting us, you can go ahead and check out our Patreon. I uh, would really appreciate that. So folks, let's get to the weekly state of the Orlando Magic. Your Orlando Magic went 0-4 this week with a 123-92 blowout loss in Milwaukee to the Bucks, a 106-99 loss to the Charlotte Hornets at home, a 123-88 loss at home to the Bulls in Nikola Vucevic's return to Amway, and then finished the week with a 105-92 loss in Cleveland to the Cavaliers. They have now lost six games in a row. They sit with a record of 4-17, which is the worst record in the Eastern Conference. The second worst record in the NBA. They are currently 27th in offensive rating, 29th in defensive rating. They are 30th, dead last in the NBA in net rating. On Sunday evening, tankathon.com still has the Magic with the second toughest remaining strength of schedule in the NBA, just behind the New York Knicks. Quick injury report for you guys. Cole Anthony has missed the past five games with a sprained ankle. He's ruled out for Monday's game in Philadelphia as well. And then Mo Bamba is questionable. He missed Saturday's game with back spasms. Luke, this week we got a Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac update. This has been a hot topic amongst Magic fans. Uh, on Friday, Jeff Weltman and Markel Fultz spoke with the media in the morning. I believe uh, Jeff Weltman spoke with the with the media first um, to update everyone. You know, really not giving timelines, and we understand that. Um, but we've been asking for some more information, Luke. Uh, Jeff Weltman basically said both guys are, are starting to rehab. Markel has um, progressed to the point where now he's participating in, in two-on-two drills with some members of the team. And I think he said this week he's headed down to Lakeland um, to get some live action in uh, with those guys. And Jonathan Isaac, not really an update. He's just continuing to rehab um, You know the, the torn ACL. Both guys recovering from torn ACLs. Uh, we still don't have any type of timeline, Luke, but it seems like um, obviously Markell is going to be back pretty soon, and he's going to be back before Jonathan Isaac. What'd you think? Um, yeah, yeah. So as far as everything with Markell and Ji Man, like it, it seems like we're we're finally we're getting there, right? <laughs> we're we're finally to the point where we can kind of get some hope. You had MCW chime into that. Uh, you know, that group basically saying that, uh, you know, J.I. should be back. What did he say? New Year? He said January. January. So what so, Luke is referring to is, if you guys missed last week's show, um, Michael Carter-Williams is a part of this players-only, like, NFT group. Yeah. And in their Discord last week, they had a, a Q&A, and he was asked about Jonathan Isaac, and he, he basically typed that they're expecting Jonathan Isaac to be back in January. That's what Luke's referring to. And, and then, you know, Markel, you know, hoping he's back soon. Um, that would be great that we could, you know, get, get the return of kind of just trickle these guys in one at a time and get them introduced to the, to the lineup. Hopefully, you know, if, if Markel is back sometime soon here, maybe he is, you know, more, you know, up his minutes by the time J.I. is returned and we don't have to deal with both of them dealing with heavy minute restrictions at the same time. Cause that would really suck. Um, having to, you know, still see some of those low, you know, end of the bench guys having to get some run because J.I. and Markel aren't up to the minutes um, they're supposed to be. So they're ramping up, um, and I, I'm really hopeful that we get, you know, them back in the lineup soon because this team needs it more than anything. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, I mentioned Cole's been out the last five games now with a sprained ankle. He's out 
you know, tomorrow's game, Monday's game, when our listeners are hearing this um, in Philadelphia. I just don't really have a good feel, Luke, for how this team is like operating around these injuries this year. Like, are they just being super conservative or are they being like so conservative to the point they're like, eh, you're fine. Like just, you know, rest right. a couple of games, come back when you're ready. We're okay with losing. Like how much engineering is going into like a tanking effort this year? That's what I'm pretty it, um, yeah. interested in right now. I'd say it's heavy. I'd say it it's feels heavy. that way, right? Well, I mean, you had what Hammond go on the radio or whatever that was, you know, before the season saying, you know, you you could see Markel opening night. I mean, he he went. I mean, I'm sure Weltman just hit him upside the head for saying that in any type of capacity. And then we just haven't seen him. This the regular season started over a month ago, so it's just like. At what point are they just not on the same page about things or, you know, what what the timeline really is and what they really want? It's very clear that this is a, a tank move. This is a tank, um, you know, perspective that these guys have right now. They want to lose games. They don't want to be too good. And, you know, we, we've heard it, right? It's a, It's been in their demeanor. It used to be, as of, like, last year, our goal is to win games. Now, very well known. Waltman on many occasions has basically said it's about growing this team. They're young. He said that learn. Friday again. Yeah. So it, it's very clear that the emphasis has sh- has shifted immensely. And I, I think that, you know, it's something that, um, you know, the Magic fans are just going to have to deal with. But it is a big part of, of why these guys are being held out. I have no doubt in my mind. Well, so like Chuma Okiki took what seemed like forever to come back from the, the hip bruise. Yeah. And then Etwan Moore... Played, I believe, in every preseason game, if not almost every preseason game. And then opening night is, oh, he's got a sprained knee. He's going to be out. We still haven't seen Etuan Moore. It's been a month. So, yeah. And then you know the other night, um, I think Terrence was questionable or, or didn't come back in the second half because of back spasms. And right. then the next the next game, it was, oh, you know, he, he's not playing because of um, uh, back spasm maintenance or lower back maintenance. Like right. what? What are we really doing here? So it it is kind of confusing, and you know Jeff Weltman came out and was like, you know, I know our fans are frustrated, but you know they just have to understand that you know we're not operating you know with timelines, and we're you know we're trying to do what's in the best interest of the players, and we've just continued to say that you can do both. They're not mutually exclusive. You can operate in the best you know um, interests of the player. You can provide updates to fans without putting a timeline on when these guys are coming back. They just did it with Markel. He's now in these two-on-two drills. He's going to be practicing with the Lakeland Magic because they have more um, you know, live ball opportunities in their downtime than the Magic do. Um, so that's an update in itself, and you're just still not putting a timeline. That's all that we want to know. I was a little, um, you know, I thought it was a missed opportunity that no one asked if Jonathan Isaac has suffered, you know, any type of setback at this point, because that's what everyone is convinced of now really is, you know, if he's not back until January, that's 17 months after his ACL injury, which is normally slated for nine to 12 months. We haven't heard anything, you know, Jonathan mm-hmm. Isaac himself said, if it was up to him, he would have been ready for opening night that that didn't happen. And then yeah. when asked, he said that being back by Christmas was a, a reasonable projection are the words that he chose to use. And now he may not be back in, until sometime in January, it sounds like. So 
it's either the magic just being ridiculous and holding him out in kind of furthering the tanking effort or something happened along, you know, the, the process with his rehabilitation causing him to miss more time. So yeah, it's unfortunate we don't get more updates like this, but you know, it's better than nothing. And I think, you know, hopefully in the next, how do you feel? I think like two to three weeks we'll see Markel. Yeah. I mean, that seems to be the way that thing that, you know, things are trending. Um, I would, you know, like, you know, we obviously along this whole thing would have liked more open dialogue, I guess. And like transparency. I mean, what was it? I think it was, you know, Zion dealing with his stuff, right. With his injury and everything. The Pelicans were pretty much tracking, right? Like they, they were releasing, you know, things from their PR and, you know, all that kind of stuff and articles about his rehab, whatever. We just have not received transparency about those things. It's just pretty much been like, guys, you know, trust us. We've got the player's best interest in mind. And it's like, okay, but, but but give us something like our team sucks. We need something. And, and it's just, they've been so reluctant. Um, I'm just ready for these guys to be back so we can put all hesitancies um, and concerns aside because at this point with J.I. and if there was a setback and it's been this long and, you know, we don't see him till January. I'm worried about what his performance is going to look like. Like, at, at what point do we get worried about, like, how good of a player he'll be when he returns um, when it's been this long? I mean, that's it, just like the kind of transparency we'd want, right? Like, hey, guys, we're we're losing games and it's going to be. Uh, we're just, we're not rushing anything instead of like, we're, we've got the best, you know, the player's best interest in mind. It's like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, I, I have no idea what that means without thinking J O oh, J I's, you know, suffered a setback and he may never be the same player again, type of like panic. I, I have no idea. I think with me, it's just like kind of what you mentioned. I just want a little bit of hope at this point. And right. I think, more transparency and just kind of setting clear expectations. Like if they just come out and are, you know, and they, they, again, he's saying they're being as transparent as possible. I don't believe that. I, like, I mm-hmm. just, I really disagree with, with that statement. Uh, but if they did come out and say, this is exactly what's going on. This is why it's taking so long, blah, 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 right. blah. This is when we're thinking they could be back. Um, but you know, it, it's all still like a very fluid process. Maybe not like, you know, this is when they'll be back. Cause that's putting a timeline right. on things, but I don't know. We, it just feels like we go so long without an update and it just leads to frustration and speculation. I, and yeah, then yeah. When they it, come out, everyone's like, ah, okay, right. thanks. And, and kind of the last point that I want to make Jonathan is just like to go back to that Hammond interview where he explicitly said yeah. we could see Markel back on opening night. It's like, okay, why was there a timeline there? But but everywhere else, like when the news is bad or when you, we, it's getting pushed back, we hear nothing. It's just kind of like, man, I I really hope they forget two of our uh, starting and cornerstone pieces haven't made their return yet. Do you think that like, when do you think they'll forget? I mean, yeah. if we just don't say anything, they'll just, they'll just accept it and we won't have to hear any questions and get any type of flack for it. It's like, no, you... As great as you guys have been in the front office, you deserve like flack for this. Like you deserve fans to be angry about like where are they? We want to see them specifically. Ji, Markel, fine. Ji, if it's not till the new year, man, like they they really should be better about addressing, and they just skirt around everything. 
Yeah, January will be three years, uh, two years, excuse me, two years, and we've seen three games out of J.I. the last two years. So, I mean, right? people are, you know, some people argue that, you know, putting timelines and things like that, um, you know, creates, like, distrust uh, amongst the players. You see 29 other teams in the league operate with kind of, like, loose timelines and, like, uh, like updates along the way. Mm-hmm. without creating, you know, any type of friction with the players and the organization and everything like that. So I just don't totally buy into that. It's just like the Magic are handling these guys with, like, kit gloves at this point. And right. I don't know. Hopefully we get Markel back, and then, like, a month from now, we should hear that J.I. is close to a return. If not, then I don't know what the hell is going on. <laughs> yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. All right, Luke, we're going to talk about this game for approximately 30 seconds uh, because that is all I think it warrants, and I think that's all the time that we really want to spend on this. So Monday at the Bucks. So uh, last week, um, the Magic played the Bucks twice. They played them on Saturday night when uh, they were getting blown out, and then you know the, we've talked about this, but the third unit for us basically uh, brought the Magic within six before losing that game by uh, nine, I think it was. Uh, so I knew that coming into this game, the Bucks were not going to let that happen again. I, I thought we were going to get blown out, but I didn't think it was going to be quite as bad as it turned out to be. Um, yeah. This was uh, the first game, uh, I think, with yeah, the first game without Cole Anthony, I believe. Um, or it may have been the second game without Cole Anthony. Last week's a blur at this point, but it was the second game in a row in Milwaukee. Uh, they had lost again 117-108 two nights before. There's no Gary Harris uh, either Michael Mulder started in the starting lineup, which everyone was kind of surprised. Cole to see. did not play in Milwaukee. Yeah, the, the game before either. So right, he didn't so play it was the second game he didn't play. Thank you. Yeah, but yeah, Orlando trailed by 41 at the half, mm-hmm. and we're like, okay, well, it can't get much worse. But the Magic were down by as much as 51 in the third quarter. The Magic spent a good part of that third quarter, um, basically doubled up uh, by the yeah. Milwaukee Bucks, and the Magic kind of come back if you can call it that uh, and they lose 123 to 93 so a 30 point loss and the game was yeah. nowhere near that close really the um, only bright spots I've got from the magic 
Luke, mm-hmm. uh, five of nine from Moritz Wagner, 18 points in 23 minutes. And Robin yeah. Lopez, 13 points, four rebounds, six of 11 from the floor in 13 minutes. Yeah. Um, the thing that I wanted to point out before we move on here is the plus minus is hilarious. If you're looking at this, right? Uh, the starters, uh, I won't even say names because you guys can look it up. It's it, They're all bad. Minus 38, minus 34, minus 39, minus 28. Michael Mortar, minus 13. The only starter in double digits and points. Um, the bench, Chuma, minus 8. Brasdakis, plus 18 in 12 minutes. Rolo, plus 16 in 13 minutes. So there's kind of the, the comeback group, right? Uh, plus 5 for Wagner, uh, Mo, 24 minutes. And uh, RJ, minus 3 in 31 minutes. He was the only, like, you know, respectable plus minus besides Mo Wagner, really, um, in, like, a high-volume minutes, uh, you know, Brasdakis and Lopez don't count. And then T Ross, you know, 18 points minus 31. So it's it was a fun time, Jonathan. Really. I had a blast. It was it was definitely not fun. Uh but at this point, like the last two Milwaukee games, I was like, all right, our third unit is much better than other teams' third units. <laughs> like that's kind of how it felt. Totally we'll talk learned. about the Bulls game in a few minutes, and yeah. uh that was not the case. But anyways, we got the crap kicked out of us, and we are moving on. So we'll talk game two Wednesday at home versus Charlotte. So the Magic finish that five-game road trip. They come home. Third game without Cole Anthony. Uh, no Terrence Ross in this one uh, due to back spasms. Uh, the Magic played pretty well for the most part of the first three quarters. They were actually up seven with 3.51 to go in the third quarter. And then Charlotte closed the quarter uh, on a 15-3 to run. The Magic trailed by five heading into the fourth quarter. And then Orlando never got closer than five in the fourth, eventually losing this game 106-99. to uh, Your highlight performances this game from the Magic, Mo Bamba, 18 points, 7 of 15 from the floor, added 12 rebounds. And then Jalen Suggs, 17 points, uh, 4 rebounds, 6 assists, shot 16 of, uh, excuse me, 6 of 14 from the floor. So another good offensive output from Jalen Suggs. And then just looking at the the Charlotte Hornets, Terry Rozier, 27 points, LaMelo Ball, 22 points, Kelly Oubre, 21 points. Mm. And yeah, it was it really came down to that run in the third quarter, Luke. Um, 15-3 run to close out the third. And then like the Magic just could never make enough plays in the fourth quarter to make it dangerous for the Hornets. Charlotte felt like they were in control that entire fourth quarter. Thir- yeah, fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, you look at that game, WCJ. Uh, Wendell Carter um, killed a man, so there was that. Um, you know, Caleb Martin had the uh, poster on him, who, by the way, it all started with a pump fake from beyond the arc, right? I mean, it, it started with 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 what Wendell has really put into his craft. Um, you know, his three point shooting that we've talked about so many times because it's been such a crazy like revelation, really, um, for for WCJ. Pump fake to the basket right on Martin um, was the highlight of the game, obviously. Um, and, you know, you, you kind of, that game, man, that you, you got, the rotation was was shortened, right? Mosley played nine as opposed to, and these blowouts, obviously you see like 11, 12 guys with Brasdakis and Lopez and obviously T. Ross, but T. Ross out with those lower you know muscle back spasms, right? When you are only playing your normal shortened, what hopefully will become normal, right? A nine-man rotation. You can't have two of those nine guys absolutely crap the bed. 
two of those nine guys crapped the bed, Jonathan. And I'm talking about Chumo Kiki and RJ Hampton. Chumo, one for seven. Shot one, three, oh for one. RJ Hampton, 0 for seven. Shot 0 for two. At least RJ Hampton gave us six assists um, and three rebounds. Chuma gave us six rebounds, one assist, two points in 20 minutes. So there has to be better emphasis. Like this is a winnable game if they don't play that way. It was already a winnable game. The Magic lost by seven. So, I mean, unfortunately, that that really was the case. And it, I mean, I, I mean, the the plus minus backs it up, right? You lose by seven. You you hopefully don't have anything worse than like a minus ten, if you're like you know a player. Chuma minus twenty one. RJ minus seventeen. The only other person in that range was Michael Mulder, who played you know twenty four minutes minus twenty. Also not good. The rest of the guys, Jonathan, were were practically all the starters were in the positives. But when you come to guys like Chuma and RJ, just really didn't have a great game at all, and you can very much say like they they are a huge reason the Magic lost that game, in a game where you only lose by seven and have control basically what felt like a majority of the game. Yeah, I mean the thing you just always want to be a little bit cautious with uh, individual games, you know, plus minus because it doesn't always like show you who actually played well and who didn't. Like if you just look at that, you know, like well, you think right, that- of course, but but I you know looking at points, the shot percentages, like that's why I, I listed those primarily, and that plus minus just kind of supplements that their performance wasn't good. I mean, they yeah. they there was a reason. And I, and I'm not trying to say that R.J. Hampton and Chuma played well. Like, I definitely don't mean that by any stretch of the imagination. I think it's been uh, we're going to talk more about kind of like the first quarter of the season that's just wrapped up. We officially kind of hit that mark 21 games. Yeah. Um, but Chuma Okiki, you know, coming off of the, the hip bone bruise, we said we didn't want to overreact until he had kind of gotten his legs back underneath him, wanted to give him like two to three weeks to kind of get his conditioning back. We're yeah. past that point, and yeah. he was starting to put some nice games together. Like I think we had talked about before the last three games that we've had, mm-hmm. the four games before that it looked like, okay, Chuma is back. And now he's right. like the last three games has kind of regressed again. So I don't know really where we're at with Chuma right now. Um, yeah. The thing that you and I talked about before the season was just trying to stay patient until we got this team fully healthy. We got Markel back. Yeah. We got Jonathan Isaac. So everyone can really be in the correct roles. And then once we get into a rhythm with that squad, then we can really assess where some of these guys are at because like Chuma Okiki playing with RJ Hampton and Michael Mulder as his as his backcourt is not doing Chuma any favors. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't yeah. know what is going on with RJ Hampton at times, um, but it, it's pretty clear that he's not a point guard. Like I, I thought coming into this year, because what we saw, you know, the last 20 games, you know, out of him and Cole, um, I thought RJ was the guy that looked more of like the true, you know, point guard and more of a playmaker. Yeah. And I've like totally flipped on that. Like Cole is definitely um, making a concerted effort to be more of a playmaker and, you know, create opportunities for other guys. And his scoring ability has kind of allowed him to do that. He's creating so much gravity on the floor and commanding attention that he's able mm-hmm. to find guys when they're open. Um, but yeah, RJ Chuma um, have definitely been, I would say, disappointments to start the year so far. And they uh, they definitely didn't do us any favors in this game against the Hornets. All right, Luke, let's go ahead and take a quick break here from our friends at Manscaped, and then we'll go ahead and talk about the Bulls game and Vooch's return to Amway. 
All right, guys, this holiday season, I'm giving thanks to our friends at Manscaped. Do I tell my extended family that I have the Performance Package 4.0 from the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming? Not to mention, it includes their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. Gift yourself Manscaped or the man in your life who needs it. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with 20% off plus free shipping with the code 6. That's S-I-X-T-H by going to manscaped.com. And for the gifters out there, gift Manscaped to seal the deal with two free gifts from their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Gifting Manscaped is the ultimate hack to become the family favorite. Manscaped has been busy and just launched their refined body wash and two-in-one shampoo plus conditioner. Both feature the Manscaped signature scent and will help unlock your confidence this year. Your boys and body will be oh so fresh and so clean when you start off your self-care routine with the ultimate body wash, shampoo, and conditioner. So get 20% off plus free shipping with the code 6th at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code 6th, S-I-X-T-H, at manscaped.com. Be thankful this holiday season for the best gift of all from Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. All right, Luke, this game, there's a lot to unpack here. So first of all, this game three on Friday at home versus Chicago. Luke, this was the return of Nikola Vucevic. Uh, The first came back at Amway since being traded to the Bulls in March. This is a game that we've all been anticipating uh, for a long time, really since the moment the trade was made, uh, since the schedule was announced. A lot of us circled this game on our calendars. Um, I was looking so forward to this game that uh, I decided this was going to be the first game that I ever purchased floor seats from. Um, did a whole vlog about kind of my experience with that, and we'll be releasing that um, in a few days or, or maybe later this week. I don't know. But, um, Luke, how did you feel? Like, were, How excited were you for this game? Were you excited or were you kind of like dreading it? How did you feel going into it? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's a game that that everybody circled on their calendars as a Magic fan, and it wasn't like a a, a revenge type type narrative, right? It was it was the guy that 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 made us relevant in the last you know few seasons, the couple seasons that he, the last few that he was here made us relevant, took us to the playoffs, made All Star appearances, and it was a guy that we were going to be able to celebrate for you know the that his return, and that obviously that's the reason you got the tickets now. Did you experience some unfortunate luck with Cole Anthony being out? Um, yes, you did. And I apologize that, you know, Gary Harris was in the starting lineup on, on the night that you get courtside <laughs> seats. But but no, yes, this is a game that was very much anticipated just because of, of Vooch and kind of everything that he really contributed to to this team, you know, in his, you know, nine seasons. So we're I think we're gonna have like um like kind of a big picture conversation as we wrap up talking about this Bulls game. Um yeah. just kinda people that might not realize just like in terms of all time magic players, just kinda where Vooch um like ranks, just in terms of yeah. like statistics and everything like that. We'll get to that. Um so let's talk about the game really quickly, Luke. So Vucevic, he actually scores the first bucket for the Bulls on his mm-hmm. patented jump hook over the left shoulder. Uh, but the Magic were tied after one on the back of 12 points and five rebounds in the first quarter from Wendell Carter. And then only three Magic players scored in the second quarter for the Orlando Magic. Jalen Suggs, Franz Wagner, and Wendell Carter, those three combined for 19 points. That's all the Magic scored in the second quarter, and they found themselves <laughs> down nine at the half. 
And then in the third quarter, Chicago's big three of DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, and Nikola Vucevic, they combined for 26 points. The Magic as a team scored 23 points in the quarter despite the team shooting 12 free throws. So um, 12 opportunities at the line, and you end up 23 points in the quarter as a team. Not great. And then the Magic allowed the Bulls to shoot 73% in the fourth quarter while they shot 26%. Orlando lost 88-123. to So when I talked about that Bulls, well, when we talked about the Bulls game a few minutes ago here, Luke, uh, you know, we mentioned that, you know, our third string looked really good against Milwaukee's because they were able to, you know, cut into those deficits quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And this was worse. Like, um, Io Donsumu, I think his, his last name, I think that's how you pronounce that. But when he comes in and, you know, he's hitting threes and like, they just really can't miss. Like I said, they shot 73% in the fourth quarter. Um, it, it was just so depressing. I texted you guys and I said, you know, it's not a good sign that Chuma looks horrible against Chicago's third unit. And, and we can, you know, talk more about that in a little bit, but yeah, yeah, the the game definitely did not go the way that I had anticipated. Like well, I made the joke to a couple of my buddies that I spent all this money for the match to lose by thirty in my face. Yeah, yeah, and um, I mean, look, man, the the first quarter, you look you look up and Magic are tied, and you say, "Great, just keep it right here, and I'll be all right. Keep this game competitive, and Vucha's return will be okay." Dude, I mean. And it just progressively got worse. As the game went on, it got worse. The Magic scored 19 in two different quarters. Magic scored 19 in the second quarter and the fourth quarter. And they scored 23 in the third. So the Magic just continued to get worse as the Bulls continued to just really get in a rhythm. You know, like you said, and and, and Vooch, you know, ends the night 16 and 8. Um but there was one bright spot, Jonathan, and his name was uh, Wendell Carter Jr. I mean, once again, it just seems like when the magic, when the times are dark. Well, this Orlando, was the revenge game for Wendell. Yeah, absolutely. And he and he showed out, right? 30 minutes, 26 points, 10 rebounds. I mean, he and, you know, adds two blocks to that as well. I mean, that, that was the only bright spot of this game, Jonathan. And I mean, you, you kind of look at everything here. The magic only lost the turnover margin by one. There's just wasn't, I mean, they just couldn't shoot seven for 32 from three. I mean, just when you talk about nothing went Orlando's way against the bulls, nothing went Orlando's way. And um, I mean, Oh, I do have a question for you though, Jonathan, before we continue, Vooch scores his first basket. Are you clapping? Of course. Of course. <laughs> Did you, did you did you give applause every time he scored, or when the no. Magic were down by a lot, you were just like, I, I I can't be happy about this. No, I think there's a there's a photo that I posted to our social media accounts um, that yeah. Tony Quinn, the the social media manager uh, for the Orlando Magic, um, that he took during the game. As I'm leaving, he's like, "Bro, I got to show you this photo," and <laughs> it's just I'm just me and my wife just both look miserable because the Magic were getting destroyed. I was unhappy. We'll talk about this, but I was unhappy with the ovation that you know Vooch got uh, from yeah. you know the Magic fans that were in attendance. So I was just salty about that the entire night and the fact they were getting blown out. Like I was like, okay, you know, good for him. You know, he got his first basket. I was like, you can stop scoring now. That that'll be great. Um, but no, I I was not cheering each time that uh, that he scored. I'm just curious. 
you know? No. And, and there, there, there's people out there that probably think that you did just by the ways of, of Twitter and, and what, you know, the, the volatility that, that happened that night and the kind of the pushback you got for making note oh, and brother. putting ring into light that Vooch didn't get really the ovation he deserved. There's a lot of Scrooges out there on Magic Twitter that night. Yeah, so let, I mean, let's let's get into this. So you know, talking about like the Vucevic tribute innovation. So the first thing that you know just kind of sucked about the whole thing is I understand you know Paul Porter has certain obligations that he needs to take care of with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Obviously, he's the you know the PA announcer for both of those teams, so he was not in the building. So the the gentleman that you know fills in for him, um, you know, it's not Paul Porter. So if it's not Paul Porter and you're at the games, it just something about it doesn't feel right. I know Paul Porter has been doing it a long time. There's going to come a time where Paul Porter is not there and it's going to take me a long time to, to get used to that. Right. Um, but like I was, I didn't know the lightning were playing, so I wasn't thinking about Paul Porter not being there. But, um, as soon as you're in the building and you you hear the guy, you're like, okay, not Paul Porter. But the fact that he didn't do the (laughs) Vucevic, he just said Vucevic. It was right. that just felt wrong from the the get go, all right. That we didn't get that normal. Now, props to you know most of the fans in Amway. A lot of people did still do the vooch right. as you know as he's getting announced in the starting lineup. But the thing, this is just so crazy to me. So, um, it was the tribute was shown I think before the game on Valley Sports Florida and on League Pass. Mm-hmm. So I didn't see anything. You guys were texting. You and Kevin were texting me about it. Um, usually those things happen in one of the, you know, timeouts in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. They, they did it, um, in between the first and second quarter, which I was totally fine with. Uh, but the tribute video is incredible. Um, you know, just going through like, you know, his very emotional press conference right after the trade his press first press conference with the bulls and, you know, all of the highlights, him hitting, you know, game winners and, you know, making all-star games and stuff like that here. And then, you know, at the end, like, there were a lot of Bulls fans in attendance. There definitely were. I would say probably close to 40 or 50% of the arena was Bulls fans. I'll say it was not anywhere near opening night against the Knicks. That was way worse. Um, the, right. the Knicks fans were way worse. But even still, I would say somewhere between like 25, I would say, I'm being generous, 25 to 30% of fans stood up and, and clapped for Nikola Vucevic. And at that point, I just felt so honestly embarrassed and ashamed um, of the Magic fans in the building, just like I have on a number of occasions before I've talked about, you know, being at the games and, you know, it's a a two-point game with one minute left and there are people not standing, not cheering. They're sitting on their phones. We've talked about how, you know, games at the Amway are more of a social event or a a night out than it is people actually invested emotionally in the team and are cheering and everything like that. They're all just there to socialize and stuff like that talked about all that stuff a million times but the fact that we had a guy who and i'll run through the stats here he's eighth in assists all time for the magic he's sixth which in is steals, insane four in minutes in games played he's third in blocks he's second in rebounding and he's first in made field goals it's the guy that played here for nine years um gave nothing less than his best and his all every single night when he was here always a class act on the floor, off the floor, you know, did tons of community events uh, in Orlando. And I I just feel a certain way that a guy who was a great player, I don't care how you want to argue, he's top five Orlando Magic players all time. You've got Dwight, Shaq, T-Mac, Penny, and then Vooch. To me, it's in that order. Um, Top five. 
And when you are not going to show, you know, the appreciation that that guy deserves, don't talk to me about the team success. Uh, Don't talk to me about like the individual accolades for goodness sake. The Oklahoma city thunder are retiring Nick or retired Nick Collison's number. And the guy averaged like (laughs) six points for his entire career. He was there for 15 years. So he meant a lot to the organization and a lot to the team. So you show, you show your appreciation for that. But when opening night, when Tracy McGrady is on the, you know, the video board and people are like barely clapping for one of the greatest players, most talented players, in my opinion, of all time, one of the greatest magic players of all time, barely gets an ovation when he's there for opening night. Um, It doesn't make people excited to come back uh, to the arena, to the games. Um, You know, they don't feel the appreciation from the fans. And if you think that players around the league don't think things like this is, you know, is a big deal or they don't notice that, I think you're out of your mind. During the Bulls, um, you know, the, the starting lineup announcement, all of the Bulls players moved away from the bench, all of the starters. They weren't interested at all. I have a video on my phone. You can clearly see DeMar DeRozan before he's announced. He just walks over to guys and he points over. He's like, yo, this is Vooch's night. This is a guy that spent a lot of time in Toronto, you know, I don't know the kind of ovation that he received when he returned, but I guarantee it was better than what Vooch got the night before. And, you know, that might be warranted. They had some more, you know, team success there. Um, DeMar DeRozan is, you know, probably two or three all time, you know, in, in terms of, you know, Raptors players, if I had to had to guess. Um, but DeMar DeRozan, he knew this is a big deal for this guy coming back to the city that he spent so much time in. And he said, nah, nah, this is Vooch's night. And then just the like the ovation that he got. And then when I tweeted about it, I didn't expect that type of blowback whatsoever. Like the people that are on Twitter, those are the people that I know if they're in the arena, they're cheering. Like they're super invested in this team. But like kind of the blowback that I got, and it's a small percentage of people on Twitter, um, but just saying that like, you know, Vucevic doesn't deserve a standing ovation. It, it takes, like you stand for the, like the national anthem. It takes the same amount of energy to stand for Vooch and to sit there and clap and cheer for the guy. So I've gone on and on and on about this, Luke. Obviously, Mm -hmm. it really, really upset me. Um, I just think we have almost like this culture in our fan base of not appreciating players in the past um, because they might not have been the best player, you know, in the history of the world or they didn't win a championship here, whatever the case may be. Um, I just think like it, it just comes down to like a level of class. Like the guy gave you nine years, blood, sweat, and t- literal blood, sweat, and tears. We saw the guy cry after being traded, and um, I just thought he deserved you know much more appreciation than what he got from Magic fans. And you get one chance at that standing yeah. ovation. Like he'll always remember that. Um, is he happy with the ovation? I I really don't know. Um. I ex- and I shouldn't have expected it to be more, but I expected it to be a lot more than what it was. I'm done. I I think that the 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 part that makes me the most irritated, right, is is the fact that yes, there was a small percentage of people that were getting pushed back, right, to the fact that you had an issue with the lack of people standing and giving an ovation to Vooch. It was the the people who who gave pushback. There's people who I know on Magic Twitter that that like legitimately made, went out of their way to make a comment regarding your tweet about him not getting the ovation and be like, Vooch doesn't deserve what you're giving him. Or, you, you know, basically like you guys are acting like he won us a championship. Like just a lot of ridiculous stuff that was thrown around. The, the crazy thing is like 
if, if they want to talk about like, you know, what deserves praise and, and, and attention, you're rooting like you guys, like all of these guys on Magic Twitter specifically root for a team who has gone to the playoffs twice in the last, what, nine, ten years. They they stand and cheer when it, when they score at a game for a team that is now four and seventeen. You can't stand and cheer for a guy that was like the, uh, the number one reason that you made the playoffs, like for the number one reason that 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 arena was packed for the playoffs and two years in a like in a row, like that you, it just doesn't make sense. And then some people are like, "He's a, he's a bull, not a not a magic now," and it's like, we know that. We get that. That's why we are standing and applauding because if you were at that game and you didn't and you call yourself a Magic fan, you're not getting it. Like you said, you don't get that chance again. Like the next time Vooch comes back, sure, he'll you'll you might cheer for him at his introduction and whatever, but he's never getting a tribute video again. He's never getting a moment where you can give him an ovation again. And it's like this guy tops leaderboards of statistics for like assist, eighth and assist. He, he averaged less than three a game, and that shows you how long he was with the organization. He is a 1,000 points behind Dwight Howard. Dwight averaged like 18 a game, 18.5. Vooch averaged like 17.5 or something like that. There was like a point separating their, like their differential totals and points. One of those guys is the greatest Magic player of all time, in our opinion, and Dwight Howard. The other guy is fifth, and it's a consensus between you and I. It's just like... Your you guys' logic doesn't make sense if you are those people that are just like oddly against Vooch now. I don't know. It's so weird. And I was able to just I had a fun time. I'll admit, Jonathan. I went back and I and I got to find people who had praised Vooch once he got traded, a true magic legend. But then the other night were telling me he wasn't worth an ovation. It's just like and it's ridiculous. I'm not trying to single anybody out with that, but my thing is, I am. If you think he was an, a legend off the court, he still deserves a standing ovation. Yeah, like the, whether Nick or not Collison it's on the court, a perfect off the court, example. Whatever it is, the guy deserves a, a standing ovation. And I don't mean to cut you off, but you're crazy if you think that these aren't things that are talked about around the league. Yeah, like when people start talking about, oh, like yo. What did you think when you know you were here in Orlando? Blah blah. blah. It's like, oh yeah, well I you know I played nine seasons here. Um, you know I was I'm the number one you know uh you know leader and made field goals, and I barely got an ovation when I came back. People are like, what the hell? Like this <laughs> this city doesn't care about this team. You know, like yeah. if you don't think that like players around the league like you know talk like that, um, I I think I think you're you're sadly mistaken. And I was driving home, you know, talking to, to my wife and obviously I was upset, you know, about the game and, um, you know, upset about, you know, the, the, the tribute and the, well, not the tribute, the tribute was great from the magic. I, right. I don't mean that at all. Um, the, the reception that he got and I was like, right. you know what, maybe, maybe I'm holding other people to like too high of a standard because like I'm just have like my fan, like, like super fan brain. And right. I, I just, I cannot imagine living my life in a way where like I don't care about sports and my teams the way that I do mm. and things like this aren't a big deal to me like Evan Fournier does he deserve a, a standing ovation 
No. Love Evan Fournier, but no. Aaron Gordon, no. A lot of these other guys that are going to come back, no. Um, but Vooch, like, this guy was on track. Like, if he would have stayed here in Orlando, he would have ended up number one in minutes, games played, number one in blocks, number one in rebounding, number one in main field goals, number one in points. Like, there would have been no disputing that. Even if he didn't make another all-star team, didn't make the playoffs, anything like that. At the current pace, if he would have played, you know, another three, four seasons here, he would have ended up number one in, like, a ton of categories. And just because it didn't translate necessarily to to team success, I, I I don't agree with that. Vooch will be in the Orlando Magic Hall of Fame. Um, I was in the building the night that Tracy McGrady was inducted into the Orlando Magic Hall of Fame, and Tracy McGrady barely got a standing ovation. So I don't have high hopes for if Vucevic ends up in the Magic Hall of Fame, which he right. will. Um, if you know they change the rules and they start retiring jerseys, like I don't, nobody's going to come and get a standing ovation. Like I've been in the building when Shaq is there. Shaq doesn't get a standing ovation. Neither does Tracy McGrady or Penny Hardaway. Any of these guys, right. like people barely know who Nick Anderson is. Like he's walking around the arena by himself and nobody's saying a word to him. Yeah. Like Pat Williams. Pat Williams walks around Amway and people just walk past him like he doesn't exist. Right. Like it is a it is a problem ingrained into the magic like fan base culture that we don't appreciate the history of the franchise. And it just it pisses me off. It's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. No, Are we it, done it, talking it, about this game? <laughs> uh, yeah, we're. I think that wraps it up there. Yeah. <sighs> game four at the Cavs. <laughs> another <laughs> another great Magic performance. Uh, Cole Anthony. I think that this was his sixth uh, straight missed game, uh, or fifth straight missed game. I, I can't remember the number right now. Mo Bamba's first missed game. He missed this game due to back spasms. We're hoping uh, Terrence Ross is not uh, contagious with his back spasms exactly passing it to other say. players. It's contagious. Gary Harris and Robin Lopez got the starting nod. Cavs rookie Evan Mobley, it was his first game back after missing the previous four games with a sprained elbow. First look that we got uh, at Evan Mobley. Uh, the Magic had actually a pretty solid first half despite being out-rebounded 26-17, only trailed by five at the half. Orlando couldn't muster up enough offense in the third to take advantage of a poor shooting third quarter by the Cavs, entered the fourth quarter down by nine. And the Magic offense continued to struggle in the fourth. And Orlando falls to Cleveland 105-92. to Last couple of minutes of this game, uh, Wendell is going up for a dunk. Gets clotheslined in the face by Jared Allen, breaking the protective glasses that he's been wearing uh, since having that left eye abrasion. Um, very frustrated with the referee. Throws the glasses down in the referee's direction. Not at the referee, uh, but in the referee's direction. He gets a technical foul and has been uh, was ejected from the game. And then today, the NBA announced uh, that due to Wendell's uh, ejection and uh, forcefully throwing his um, protective glasses towards a game official, uh, he was fined thirty five thousand dollars. Luke, thirty five thousand dollars for a ref a nice not car. being able to do his job is pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, you you look at that play, right, Mike? You call it, that doesn't happen. Should Wendell have, have, have chucked his glasses? Probably not. Probably not. But, I, can I understand it? Absolutely. Here the moment, you know, that all happens, no call. 
it, it is ridiculous. So, I mean, and, and Wendell, not to mention, is probably just frustrated in general. He's He finishes that game with 19 and 11 and 32 minutes, 8 of 13 from the field. Wendell has been playing his butt off, and the Magic are still losing games due to injuries, due to just not having the talent. And uh, so I understand. I think that frustration of that goggle throw came from a lot more than just an official missing a call. So uh, I think that um, I think it was ridiculous. Uh, should he have been fined 35K? No. But um, whatever, I guess. Luke, you you are a, a fellow four eyes, right? Like, you know, I wear contacts mm. most of the time. You wear your glasses. Have you ever, yeah. I know you don't usually play with your glasses on when you play. But have right. you ever been playing I, basketball with your glasses on and gotten them knocked off? Yeah, yeah, then I never did it again. But is there um, anything in the world that pisses you off more? <laughs> no. Like no, there, there's yeah. It, no, it's not so at all. it doesn't make any sense, but I have never gotten more mad playing basketball than I did when my every time my glasses <laughs> would be knocked off. Yeah, it's uh it's 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 people's natural hate for people with four eyes. <laughs> um <laughs> no, but uh yeah, I no, it's frustrating. And then you factor in everything I just talked about with him, with Dell. It's like it, fully warranted in terms of just like how if there was a, a frustration level meter, Jonathan, I'd say Wendell has probably the highest one on the team. <laughs> just because, you know, he's like, I'm I'm killing it. But nobody else seems to be right now. Like yeah. I'm 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 doing everything I can. And this team's just losing and losing and losing. And it's just like, that can't do, that can't be good for the mental health of somebody. And then you have that idiot ref, no call, when he clearly got fouled. It's like, yeah, I mean, what did you, did you expect him to not do anything? So it's, I think I've talked myself into Well, he into did it. expect him not to do anything because he didn't know what happened. Because he didn't see right. it. Exactly. Well, no, what I was going to say is I've officially talked myself into it. Wendell... Good on you throwing those goggles. Um, hopefully that 35k. I know it's a, probably a drop in the bucket. You're all right, but well, he just signed the extension, so you know he'll he'll probably be okay. But yeah, I think it's a you know he's playing well. The team's still getting their butts kicked. These guys hate losing. We've had a yeah. lot of questionable officiating, especially the last two weeks. Um, anytime the Magic do anything, you know they're called for technical fouls. While we have other teams and other players just completely berating the officials, and they're like, "Yeah, you know what? I'm really sorry about that. I'll do better next time." Uh, the other thing, Luke, uh, from sitting courtside the other night, I have a whole new respect for the level of physicality, the strength, yeah. the speed that these guys play with. Like, they take so much contact on every single play. Um, really just running around, and especially Wendell. Wendell is so strong. Um, I think not to the extent of like a, a Dwight or a Shaq, but the because he's so big and so strong, the rest think that he can take more contact than a lot of these other guys can. So I think that probably feeds into his frustration level. But like you said, Wendell Carter, 19 points, 11 rebounds in 31 minutes, 8 of 13 from the floor. Robin Lopez... Uh, the the hook shot was on point uh, <laughs> last night against the Cavs. Thirteen points, six of nine from the floor, uh, two rebounds in thirty almost thirty two minutes uh, from Robin Lopez. Not really what you want, um, but yeah. I mean, looking at the Cavs, I mean Evan Mobley was fantastic. Thirteen points, five of twelve from the floor, seven rebounds. 
uh, nine rebounds, four blocks in this one. Jarrett Allen, 19 points, 11 rebounds, eight of nine from the floor. And then Darius Garland, 26 points, four rebounds, 11 assists, Luke. Um, Darius and, and Jared Allen in the pick and roll, like really destroyed us the entire night. And then Lowry Markinen. Lowry Markinen looked every bit of what the Bulls thought they were getting uh, when mm-hmm. they drafted him. 20 points, 8 of 13 from the floor, 4 of 8 from 3. Um, yeah, the Cavs are just better than the Magic right now. Like, there's... I don't. I don't think there's much argument with that. I mean, yeah, there's a you know we're dealing with a lot of injuries right now, um, but the Cavs are just like kind of good. I I think that's like fair to say kind at of. least decent. You know, mediocre. They're not a they, bad they, team. They beat. Looking at their schedule, Jonathan, they beat the teams they should beat, and they lose to the teams they should lose to. That is that fully encompasses Cleveland because just to let you know here I was, I was looking at it um lost to the suns understandable uh lost to the suns lost to the nets lost to the warriors lost to the nets before that um they were on a four game skid lost to the celtics five game skid they they beat the celtics who you could argue they should beat you know they they're capable of beating the celtics yeah. clearly they are um they beat the pistons um they beat the knicks they beat the raptors they beat the the trailblazers they beat the hornets um they just don't lose to teams that they are capable of beating. And I think that's something we saw with the magic of how important that was. But Cleveland is, I mean, good on them. They've, they've, they're, they're 10 and 10. Um, they've got a respectable, they've had respectable performances. You know, Larry Markinen's giving something that, you know, these 15.6 rebounds. So they, Jared Allen, I really do like Jared Allen a lot. Um, he's averaging a double double right now. I mean, they, this is not a, a slouch of a team, I would say, which is why, despite obviously, you know, the, the number was inflated because of the injuries, but they were favored by 10 the other night against Orlando. There was a reason for that. They are they are that much better than Orlando, especially when Orlando's dealing with injuries. I, I think if you're fully healthy, maybe it's a, a, a two-point spread, something like that, um, in either team's favor, honestly, but I think Cleveland is a respectable team. Yeah, so yeah. 0-4 on the week, um, not great, Luke, but now um, 21 games, so roughly at you know the, the quarter mark on the season. So we're going to go ahead and review the first quarter of the season for the Orlando Magic. So uh, right now, again, 4-17 and on the year. You start the year with two losses uh, at San Antonio versus New York. You get your first win of the season uh, in New York against the Knicks in Madison Square Garden. Then you go on a four-game losing streak at Miami, home versus Charlotte, at Toronto, at Detroit. Both of those games were close. And then you have the fourth quarter explosion at Minnesota where you win that game 115-97. Then two losses at home to the Celtics and the San Antonio Spurs. Then you have that fourth quarter comeback against the Utah Jazz. You win 107-100. Then three straight blowout losses to the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, the Washington Wizards, and the Atlanta Hawks before you go to Madison Square Garden or Magic Square Garden, as we call it. You pick up another win, 104-98. to Then you have, I think right now we're in the middle of six straight losses. So at Brooklyn, at Milwaukee, at Milwaukee, home versus Charlotte, home versus Chicago, and then at Cleveland. We're sitting at 4-17 mm-hmm. and 17 on the year so far, Luke. 11, none, none I of the 11 wins or 12 out of the, the 17 losses can be considered blowouts. 
Yeah. Uh, what I was just going to add was the four wins the Magic have, two against the Knicks, one against the T-Wolves, one against the Jazz. You can argue none of those wins make sense. Like rolling that into is, all of that those. That is accurate. <laughs> rolling into all of those games, right, at Minnesota, at New York twice, and then against the Jazz at home. Um, after you just got done losing to the Spurs, I might add, by a hefty amount. 102 to 89. None of those games did we walk into and say, well, guys, can't ready, can't wait to uh, celebrate this win we're going to get tonight. It doesn't make sense. And then you go on to get blown out. And how, what was the, what did you say? How many? I think you could argue 11 uh, to 12 of the 17 losses have been blowouts. Right. So you either get blown out or you beat a respectable team in the NBA. There's really no in-between. Um, there there hasn't been, uh, like, individually, there's been some things to celebrate, right? You've had emergences of people like, like Dell and like Cole and Franz. And outside of that, man, it's just been kind of like, well, here's another uh, another Magic game tonight. You guys ready? Are you, you know, what what do we lose by tonight, right? So, or you're playing a top-tier team, and it's like, man, I can't wait to win this game for no logical reason at all. So, there's just a lot that you can maybe look at, but ultimately it comes down to injuries. Stop me if you've heard that before. It comes down to injuries and just not having the talent to compete, like you saw last night against Cleveland. Yeah, um... Yeah, it's it's been it's been tough. Um, you know, last night before the Cavs game started, I tweeted out, "All right, how do we see this going tonight?" And it was like nine out of ten people were like, "We're taking the L tonight." Like everybody's just ready for a loss every single night. Um, you know, especially this you know like November and you know December stretch. Uh, right now, since the beginning of no like the month of November so far, we've won three games. Um. And I think, you know, we've got a couple of tough ones coming up. Then we play the Rockets um, next week, I believe. And then it's just like playoff team after playoff team after playoff team for like three straight weeks. So, you know, by the, you know, end of the year, you know, we'll be lucky to have like eight or nine wins at that point. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really like, you know, you're going to go through, you know, the first two plus months of the season, you know, and, and mm-hmm. basically get eight wins is what I think, you know, you can expect at this point. Like it's just How is what it is. Have been played by the end of the year, the end of the, the 2021 year, the end of the year, not the end of the season, like the end not of the, the 2021 season. year, the actual year, the calendar year will have been played. Yeah. Um, so, I have no idea, but it's not going to be that record's going to be looking real lottery like. Oh yeah, I don't, I don't like this. You know, six game losing streak that we're in. Um, like you know, this week you you're at Philadelphia, at Denver, at Houston. We're both going to say one and two like this week. Like your hope is to yeah. beat Houston. Like if you have any kind of self respect or anything, like you, you'll find a way to beat the other horrible team in the league. Right, um, but logic would show the Magic are going to uh, beat. Philly they're going to go three and three, two and one this week, and they'll lose to Houston. That's yeah. what logic. Which, tells by the us. way, did you notice the Nuggets are nine and nine and ten? 
Um, I didn't notice that. Um, but I know they have one of the like easiest schedules the rest of the of the year. Yoke just missed some time, so right, obviously. Michael yeah, Porter Jr. You know he's been yeah, out as well. So and they also you're looking at it, their their records don't reflect the skill of these teams. Uh, if you want a good reflection of the skill of these teams that the Magic are about to play, just look at the spread the morning of the game. That'll yeah. give you a good idea of what to expect. Because if you look at it, if just a nobody looked at it and they're like, "Oh, a four and seventeen team is going against a ten and ten team," a four and seventeen team is going against a nine and ten team, and then you're playing a three and sixteen team, that four and seventeen team could go two and one on the week. Now it's the NBA; they obviously they could, right? But likelihood, in all likelihood, the Magic will go one and two or zero oh and three. Yeah, I, I don't see it breaking any other way, especially with Cole being uh, probably not playing. Uh, tomorrow is he ruled out is it, he's ruled the injury report that i checked at five o'clock said he was out so he was out okay yeah. and then um we said mo was questionable mo's questionable i think terrence is also questionable yeah so the back spasm brothers um probably you know who knows yeah. uh so you play philly you're probably not gonna win that game the nuggets the rockets i mean dude it's it's all over the place yeah but luke what do you like what is like your biggest takeaway so far from the like the first quarter of the season? Obviously, Cole, by far and away, the number one takeaway with my hesitancies of how his numbers will dip once the team is fully healthy with guys like Markel and J.I., um, everything will take a dip. But Cole, his efficiency, regardless of his numbers dipping once the team's fully healthy, efficiency. Um, the other thing that is is obvious but not maybe not really i mean he's only you know i'm obviously i'm talking right now about wendell carter jr averaging 13.3 points a game seven point or 9.5 rebounds 2.3 assists now you look at those numbers and you'd say he's a solid starter right he's a solid starter and that might be all he is but if you take a deeper dive into it jonathan i mean this is a guy that really can take a bigger leap even when the team is fully healthy, if you if you learn how to utilize him, he is shooting almost four attempts a game, three point three uh, three point nine from three, and shooting thirty nine percent from three. Um, Jonathan, if you take a look at the usages, he's sixth on the team. Now, granted, Michael Mulder has a little higher usage than him, just because of skewed numbers count. and blowouts. He doesn't count, right? Um, you've got Cole up at the very top of the 25.5 usage. Jalen Suggs right below him, 0.2 below him. Then you got Mo Wagner, um, then RJ, then RJ, and WCJ. Um, WCJ has kind of middle of the pack usage. I think you can argue that that he should have a higher usage. He should be I don't think you can argue that. I think it's an indisputable fact. Yeah. So he should have a higher usage, especially just the way he's played this season, the last few games, how he played against Chicago, against Cleveland. I mean, everything is there supporting it. Efficiency-wise, that is not an issue at all. Now, when you kind of look at it, Jonathan, in, in terms of you know what you've seen from on the court, um, Mark C underscore NBA on Twitter, Jonathan, is a uh, pretty good follow who I just learned about today. Uh, maybe I'm a casual for not knowing he's a good follow, but he doesn't have that many followers um, for the like quality of content that he that I think he puts out. He did a whole thread on Wendell Carter Jr. Um, you know, put some charts up right of his field goals made 
when Cole is the one assisting and his field goals made when Franz is the one assisting. Um, basically goes on to note, WCJ rolls hard in the pick and roll with Franz um, and short rolls and pops and PNR with Cole. And he was saying, basically, his point is he wants him to roll harder and, you know, in terms of when he's running that pick and roll with Cole. And more frequently. And the chart, yeah, the chart shows that with Cole, um, a majority, like his hot spots, his hot zones on a pick and roll, top of the, top of, uh, you know, beyond the perimeter, top every time is what it seems like, right? Like those are his hottest, that's his hottest zone. Then it's insane, the, 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 the difference, right? The stark difference between that and the one he is with Franz. Everything, like the hottest zones are, are at the basket. More so than how hot they are with Cole at the the top of the three point line, so I think there's something to be said there. Um, I, I think that the Magic and and Mose need to and his staff need to put a bigger emphasis on on Dell rolling. Don't get me wrong, I love the fact that he can hit that three, but in efficiency wise, he showed he can do it. Right, three point nine attempts on you know thirty nine percent from three, but I, I think that we see more out of him. And, and he is more optimized if he is rolling to the basket harder. He had a, an oop the other night with Franz that really showcased what he can do, right? He had an, an oop, uh, or he had a, essentially Franz gave him an entry pass, right? Um, and had Martin on him from Charlotte and was just able to, um, to, 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 to hit the shot right underneath. I mean, the, there's, the biggest thing, right, is is him rolling and guys having the vision to hit him down down low. Um, you know, another good piece that was that I read earlier, Orlando Magic Daily. Um, I want to get the name right and everything. Dan Bennett, uh, two days ago, wrote you know an article talking about Wendell Carter Jr. needs to become a bigger focus of the Magic's offense, and I think obviously we know that. Um, and goes on to just list some really good statistics. Um, you know, in pick and rolls, Carter averages 3.5 possessions per game as the roll man and scores 1.02 points per possession. He certainly can and should be used more in these actions to get him free and be available as an option. So, and further to this point, Carter averages 3.8 screen assists per game, according to NBA.com's hustle stats, by far the most on the team. Wendell Carter Jr. is the best version of himself when he is in the pick and roll. And when, and if he can put together rolling hard to the basket, catching lobs. If Cole can work on that with him too, that goes back to the tweet I mentioned. If, if Cole and, and him can actually get on the same page about rolling hard to the basket and Cole getting better about throwing those, because if Cole can add that to his arsenal, man, I, I think the sky's the limit for Cole. So, and that's just one of a couple things that he can work on, but I think that that would be a huge piece for, for WCJ to kind of get used to that with him. I, I just think that he is far underused. And and needs to be right up there with Cole, if I'm being completely honest in terms of his usage. There's no reason he should be that far below. Yeah, I mean we've we've seen way too many instances this year of Wendell getting it going early in the game. You know, like he'll have like 13 points it. at half, and he'll finish with don't like shoot. 16 points on the night. And we just don't go to him throughout the game. Out of all rotation, plays under 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's leading all rotation players. Um, in field goal percentage, less than five feet. So basically, like at the rim, you know, it's not a surprise he's leading the entire team. Um, you know, I think that the Magic could use him almost in like a similar role to they did with Nikola Vucevic. Not so many of like the post ups necessarily. You know, Wendell doesn't have the same kind of 
um, like post moves, but just like the brute strength and either getting fouled or, or, or you know, finishing at the rim. Uh, the Magic could definitely do a, a much better job of making him a, a focus of the offense. But I'm right there with you. Like Cole, Cole Wendell and Franz, those have been the, the best three players on the Magic by far this year. Franz has been every bit as good as advertised from the Magic. The shooting numbers have come down a little bit from where he was at the beginning of the year, but still 42% mm-hmm. from the floor, 36% from the three-point line, 12.7 points per game, four rebounds, two assists, uh, one steal, and, and half a block, You know, basically a block every other game. Uh, Mo Bamba, you know, he has you know, he took a huge step at the beginning of the year, has kind of come back down to earth just a little bit as his shooting cooled off, but he's averaging 10 points, nine rebounds, uh, two blocks a game. So Mo has been great. Uh, Jalen Suggs, he's starting to show more and more flashes of being able to to be a scorer. But Luke, when I talk about a kid that was in a living hell the other night being guarded by Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso, he had four turnovers in that game. Just didn't look comfortable handling the ball at any point during that game. Uh, we're starting yeah. to see the shooting come around a little bit. The The numbers are slowly creeping up right now. He's up to 33% from the floor and almost 25% from the three-point line. So that is encouraging. Um, but again, at some point, the game just needs to slow down for him. Uh, and the turnovers you know, really have to come down right now. He's averaging 3.3 turnovers a game, uh, which leads the entire team. Uh, and, well, and like you said, he's he's up there, you know, basically second in usage on the team. Yeah, and and what I want to ask you, Jonathan, obviously, like you know, the whole reason for this is that we're at you know the quarter mark um, of this season. With where his percentages are right now, realistically, where would you like to see Jalen in terms of his his field goal and three point percentage by the end of the year with Mason? Basic, you know, his volume is going to take a turn tune down, so it's not unrealistic to think that his percentages could go up um, solely because he's not going to be taking as many shots when when Markel and Ji get back. What do you think is a, a realistic, um, you know, percentage for him to finish and kind of salvage the efficiencies? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just you know, so far twenty one games into the season, he's played twenty of those games. Uh, you know, he missed mm-hmm. one game, uh, you know, with the the sprained ankle, um, but you know, for him. Like you said, he is going to see a, a you know change in his role and, and his yeah. playing time. I think when Markel comes back, um, Jalen talked at the beginning of the season that he wanted to earn you know the starting role um, you know as one of the guards. And I think if you were to ask him that right now, I don't think he would tell you that he's totally earned that. When Markel comes back, and you know he's able to you know kind of shrug most of the minutes restriction that I'm sure he'll have when he comes back. Markel needs to be the starting point guard on this team. Like, there's no if ands, or buts about it. That definitely needs to happen. You heard him talking on Friday very, very confidently. He's like, these guys have no idea how open they're going to be when I come back. Because, like, I, I'm going to be drawing attention. I'll be able to make plays yeah. for them, get the ball where they want it. Like, we're, like, things are really going to change, you know, for the offense when I come back. So, yeah, we'll see Jalen, you know, go to the second unit probably. Um, you'll probably see him, you know, 22, 23 minutes a game if I had to guess at that point. But in terms of percentages, I think if he can get that field goal percentage into the forties, um, in the three point percentage into, you know, like the 32, 33% range, um, I think that would be a successful season for Mm Jalen. Um, those two numbers need to come up and the turnovers, you know, need, need to drop. Um, I'm, I'm trying to get away from 
looking at his averages on the season and more so just look at like segments of games. Like I'll look at like, what is he looking like the last five games and the last 10 games, things like that. Just because as a rookie, he's going to develop so much over the course of the year. Um, You know, especially these first 21 games are really going to kind of bog down those numbers no matter what. So I think Mm -hmm. as we get towards the end of the year, I'll be looking more into like those stretches, like, okay, the last 20 games of the season, how did Jalen look? And then kind of, take that as far as like the measuring stick moving forward with him. Yeah. And and I think we've obviously compared him his efficiency struggles to Cole, right, from last year. I think if Jalen can end this season where around where Cole ended last season, it would be considered a success this last seventy five percent of the season, right? Um end of the season to give you kind of a benchmark of where I think Jalen could end up um if he does improve his efficiencies. Cole, end of last year, 39.7% from the field, 33.7% from three. I think it's completely manageable. Um, Cole shot 11.7 attempts a game. Right now, Jalen's shooting 12.2. I think Jalen could come down to like 10.5 number in terms of field goal attempts a game. Um, and I think that, you know, it would be a success for this latter part of this, you know, the 75% left of the season. If he can get to that, like you said, it kind of was spot on to what you were saying. Um, 39.7% from the field, you know, maybe 40, and then like 33, 30, 32%, 33% from three would be where I'm hoping Jalen will, will end up this year because that would mean he took a pretty large jump um, to, you know, offset the uh, first part of the season here. And then we've, you know, we kind of talked about RJ and, and Chuma. Um, I don't think we need to go over those guys again. We both agree that they've largely been, yeah. you know, disappointments so far. Chuma, you know, we try to give him as much time, you know, kind of coming back uh, from that hip bruise to kind of knock off some of the rust. But now it's 15 games in, um, averaging 7.3 points per game. He's shooting 37% from the floor and 22% from the three-point line right now. So um, really not where we expected Chuma to be, uh, especially the way that he ended last season. Now with RJ, the three-point shooting has been great. You know, he's sitting at 40%. On the year, 2.7 attempts per game, um, but just doesn't seem to have much of a feel um, offensively. You know, like a lot of his points are, you know, coming in transition or he's hitting, you know, like spot up jumpers. You know, he's not really going in and getting his own uh, his own baskets. Um, we've talked about Terrence. We've talked about Gary Harris on the show. Those guys, you know, have, have largely been disappointments. I think Terrence Ross still has some trade value. Um, Gary Harris, just because of the size of his contract, I don't think, um, you know, you're really going to be able to, to move off of that. And then, you know, a lot of these other guys, Robin Lopez, Michael Mulder, Ignis Brasdakis, um, these are not guys that are really going to be in the lineup, uh, once the magic get fully healthy. So, I mean, I, I do like what we've seen out of some of those guys in, in spot minutes, you know, Michael Mulder has had some nice shooting games. Moritz Wagner, always love his energy. Robin Lopez was definitely a steadying force the last couple of games that he's played. Ignis Brasdakis um, virtually gives you nothing. Like he, his, his best attribute as an NBA player is attempting to score. It's not even actually scoring. It's him trying <laughs> to score is the best thing that he does right now um, on the NBA floor. But we've talked about this over and over and over again, Luke. Um, the team struggles, uh, you know, with turnovers. That's been an issue the entire year. Um, you know, when the offense kind of starts to stagnate, they let go of the rope and teams go on these big runs. Yeah. Um, that's been an issue. 
a lot of these things aren't going to be totally um, remedied when Jonathan Isaac and, and Markel Fultz come back, but I think a lot of that is going to improve um, just by their experience, uh, their skill sets. Obviously, Markel is really going to slow things down and steady the offense. Um, what do you think we're going to see in like the the second quarter of this season? So like from now up until like the halfway mark, and then we'll talk about Mosley and kind of you know what we think of him so far. Uh, I think I think we're going to see a lot of losses. I think you guys can go ahead and write that one down. Um, see a lot of losing. Uh, I'm hoping that we continue to, you know, the first part of the season was really, we learned about, you know, Franz, WCJ and Cole. I'm hoping that this next quarter essentially is kind of the emergence of Jalen. Um, maybe with a load being lifted with Markel being back. I think that that'll hopefully take care of him being a ball handler and bringing the ball up the court. I don't know that I really care to see it a lot more. Um, he can practice it, but I, I just think like when Markel comes back, I don't want to see it. <laughs> and uh, well, I, I think, I'd, I'd like to. I think yeah. we will see it in the second unit, but would would you rather right. see Jalen being the point guard in the second unit or RJ? Uh, Jalen, just yeah. for the fact that like I have more faith in Jalen learning it. RJ, granted, I know he didn't play a lot of games last year. I don't know, man. There's not a lot holding me to cling to RJ. <laughs> RJ, in terms of like his ceiling, I, obviously, I I put more stock in Jalen. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm hoping just like that Jalen can improve across the board the second quarter of the season. I'm hoping that Markel finds his footing and that he can be ramped up in minutes by the time Ji comes back. Um, you know, at least playing 20, 25, 24 minutes a game, hopefully within like a month's worth of games, that would be, that would be ideal because in, in one, in one, you know, frame of mind, I'm thinking like this first part of the season, it feels like we've been playing basketball for six months and it's been a little bit over a month. But then I think of it with Markel and like his minutes ramping up. I'm like, oh, he's only going to have like a, a month worth of games before J.I. comes back. No, we've learned a lot in this past month. and There's been a lot of growth, a lot of opportunity, and a lot of things we've learned. I think that Markel will be ramped up, hopefully, if he does come back like early December. By the time J.I.'s back in January. Yeah, for me, I like it, it's kind of crazy that we're already at the first quarter mark. Like... Mm. every like each week just feels so long like oh my gosh like you know these losses suck and we joked before the season and and, you know kind of half joked you know we said that it was going to be a rough year and we you know kind of had that expectation but like when you're actually going through the losses each night and you're watching the team lose by 25 and 30 and being down by 51 it's like man this sucks way more than I remember it and we kind of just went through this you know to a certain degree last season so um, over the, you know, the next, you know, 20, 21 games, as we get closer to the halfway mark of the season, you know, definitely looking forward to getting, um, you know, Markel and, and Jonathan Isaac back, but looking, you know, to, you know, Mosley to, to realize some of the issues that we're having, um, you know, get Markel in the starting lineup as soon as possible, get Jalen Suggs to the, you know, the second unit, um, and, you know, and hopefully allow him to go up against, you know, a little bit lower level of competition and, and get more, um, you know, get more comfortable. You know, I, I hope he's able to find ways for Franz Wagner and, and Jonathan Isaac to, you know, really, um, you know, complement each other, especially, you know, defensively. 
So I hope we get a little bit better between now and the halfway mark. Um, you know, I do think this is really, and you know, everyone's talked about this. This is really just a, a developmental year, and you, you just want these guys to get better. So that's what I'm hoping. Between you know now and in game 41 or you know game 42, we can look back and say, oh my gosh, you remember you know the first 20 games, you know Jalen's you know turnover issues, like those have really really improved and now he's shooting the ball you know a whole lot better or you know remember when we would have those games where you know Wendell just wouldn't get a shot attempt for eight minutes <laughs> uh man I, I'm yeah. so glad that that's over you know and, and stuff like that so last thing I wanted to ask you about is is Jamal Mosley and and, and kind of what you think of him so far um I think this is something that has become a problem increasingly the last you know two weeks with all the blouts that we've had where the Magic are just in a drought offensively, and these other teams are going on eleven and nothing, thirteen and nothing, fifteen and nothing runs. He just lets the run go, uh, you know, not calling yeah. timeout to try to slow down the momentum of the other teams. Um, he just kind of lets the guys play it out, um, and I, I feel like sometimes that kind of takes us out of games, like that fifteen to three run at the end of the third quarter against Charlotte, especially you know a, a game like that that is winnable. Um, you, you've got to learn, you know, to, to call timeouts to try to slow the momentum. So we've seen, you know, other issues, kind of weird rotational things. Um, they've complained about, you know, Gary Harris getting too much time, but overall, what are your thoughts of of Jamal Mosley so far through 21 games? I, I think that there's adjustments need to be made, right? And it's kind of weaved throughout my, what I'm saying throughout the episode is as far as like. Wendell Carter Jr. I'd love to see him utilized differently. I think individually there's some things he can do to utilize players better. Uh, I think that he's just continuing. I think there is nobody that wants this, you know, that wants J.I. and Markell to be back more than Jamal Mosley so that he can finally get his guys in the rotation of probably what he sat down when he first got the job and thought about, right? He's like, okay, I'm gonna. This is what I'm gonna start building my rotations with my team, probably, and you know, was able to kind of look and, and get an idea of what he's gonna do with his team at full health. I think that that has been a, a huge part of it. Now, as far as managing the game, I do think that obviously he lets these runs go too far, and then the next thing you know, the ropes, you know, too far gone, and the Magic just aren't gonna get back in the game. I think that Jamal Mosley needs to look no further than that game against the Utah Jazz where it seems like, you know, after the Magic have an incredible first quarter, outscoring them 28 to 15, then they get outscored 37 to 22, 33 to 25. And then the Magic come back in the fourth, holding the Jazz to 15 points and and score 32 and win the game by seven. So I I think that, that, you know, in in the same way that the team didn't give up then, I think that Jamal Mosley really needs to um, just be honest about his management of the games. And I'm sure he is. I'm sure that they have all the data and they have all the points at where they maybe they should have done things and where they didn't do it. I think it's just the growing pains of him. And I hate that that's such a cop-out answer, but I really do think that that is a big part with Jamal Mosley. I'm hoping that in the second quarter of the season, like you said, we can kind of reflect and be like, man, remember when all those bad things were happening? At least we're not getting blown out every other night, right? It's like, that. that's what I want to be able to say. It's about baby steps with this team. We knew from the get go this is a this is a rebuild, um, and 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 we've seen it firsthand. I think that that Jamal just needs to do that. I would love for Jamal to you know we brought him in as kind of a defensive identity type of coach, which you know some people were like you know a lot of people were on board with the communication side of things, 
and then you know so it kind of took away from the fact that he is a defensive coach that that is Jamal Mosley and that that is what you know we thought right but it just seems like night in and night out these teams are putting up the Bulls putting up 123 the Bucks 123 117 the Nets 115 like these are good teams obviously but the Hawks put up 129 29th in defensive rating so yeah exactly so like I mean I'm not going crazy here I'm the, defensively there needs to be an uptick in, in the performance and there needs to be more accountability, which is another thing that Jamal Mosley, you know, assumedly brought to the table. So uh, I think that, you know, you, you need to, he needs, you know, to kind of keep his guys more in check as a team. Uh, I love the, 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 you know, obviously the chemistry hasn't, hasn't really wavered. It doesn't seem, I mean, they all seem to be still, you know, enjoying each other. Um, but, but it's only so, so long that that can last before, like just like the overwhelmingness of losing all these games really gets to these guys. And, and it's not just like, it'd be different if they were losing by like single digits, but they're not, I mean, they're, they're getting just smoked. So I I need, I would really like for, for Jamal to up the defensive intensity, the schemes, the offense, like you said, it seems like they're just playing, you know, outside at a recess. Sometimes and it's just like, oh well, the game's over, so we're just really not going to put too much into the rest of this game, and it, and it's frustrating. And um, hopefully Mosley can kind of he's he's got a lot to to tune up, but hopefully that all kind of begins to, the tide begins to turn when Jai and Mark Keller back. I mean, I so like being at the game like courtside, you're just able to um, like just kind of observe so much more, like being able to hear, and you're like closer, you know, the players and everything, right. like. Beginning of the game, uh, like Jamal Mosley like ran like two sets for the Magic. They got buckets on both of them. And I was like, okay, like so we we can do that when we want to. But so many times it's just like pick and roll, like dribble handoff with Wendell Carter, and then everybody right, else just right. kind of like figure it out from there. So I would like to see more like offensive structure put in place. I, I and again, I don't want to cop out, you know, for Jamal, but I feel like his hands are kind of tied. Right now with the roster position, like so many guys like being out, like even right, right now, you know, missing guys like Cole Anthony and, and Mo Bamba and, and Terrence Ross, like rotational players. And then he's forced to play Michael Mulder mm-hmm. and Ignis Brasdakis. And those guys are only going right. to be able to do so much for you. Like Ignis, I don't know what he does for you. Like Michael Mulder can hit yeah. threes when he's open, but people know that that's all that he's out there for. So right. like he's not really getting open threes. So his hands were kind of tied in, in that aspect, and he like he just has to play a lot of these guys. So um, that's another thing that I, I'm looking for is to see growth from Jamal Mosley you know, over the next you know 21 games. I want this to these issues that we're complaining about, you know, him not you know calling timeouts or um, just inexplicably just not playing Wendell Carter in you know the second half or not getting you know Wendell you know involved in the offense enough, like telling guys like hey this time down we need to get Wendell a look like get the ball to Wendell like just mm-hmm. simple things like that that I feel like yeah. um you know could help a guy you know like Wendell Carter but yeah just overall what you want to see out of the magic this year is you want them to be better um in February than they were in November or December you know in April yeah. and March you want to see them be better than they were in January um if yeah. this rebuild is going to work the guys have to get better as the year goes on. Like if we're, you know, March and April and we're still getting, you know, blown out, you know, four out of our last five games, 
then, you know, it, it's time to kind of reassess, you know, a couple of things um, and, and kind of go from there. So, um, yeah, first quarter of the season, we knew it was going to be tough. Um, for whatever reason, it's been a little tougher than I anticipated, even though I knew we were going to lose a ton of games. And uh, just hoping the next 21 games are uh, are a little bit better for the Magic Luke. Yep, absolutely. All right, so this week, um, just three games. So tonight, you guys are listening to this on Monday. Uh, the Magic play at Philadelphia at 7 o'clock. Then on Wednesday, they'll be home to face the Denver Nuggets at 7 o'clock. And then Friday, December 3rd, they'll be at Houston. That game will start 8 o'clock Eastern time. Um, Luke, I think we both talked about this already. We think they're going to lose to Philadelphia and Denver, and uh, they should you know, hopefully pick Please up the win Friday Houston. against Houston. Yeah, I need a win. I need it. Yeah, so by that point, it'll be like eight straight losses. So um, we've talked about this again and again. November and December are tough, and that's where the team's chemistry is going to get tested, Luke. Like, sure, it's fun when you're you know, beating the Knicks twice in Madison Square Garden and you're, you're beating the Jazz, and you're going crazy in the fourth quarter you know, in Minnesota. But how are you going to you know, react when you guys have lost you know, 13 out of your last 14 games? That's, that's where the, the chemistry of this team, I think, is is going to be tested and it's going to be pretty interesting to see. So Luke, a pretty long one tonight. Um, anything else that you want to add before we go ahead and sign off here? No, that'll, that'll be it. If you guys have made it this far, appreciate you guys listening. It was a longer episode. So, um, you know, lots to talk about, lots to vent about. Hopefully it'll be more good things in the future when, uh, our guys are fully healthy. If you guys have made it this far in the season, um, regardless, <laughs> you're, uh, you're real ones. Um, just stick with the team. That's that's all that we can do as fans um, is just ride it out and uh, just believe yep. in you know what we believed in you know a month and a half ago you know that we knew this was going to be a, a tough season but things will get better as guys get back and um, you know if you guys want to start watching some college games you want to watch you know uh, Chet Holmgren and, and Paolo Bancaro and, and some of these other guys. Uh, you know, we maybe won't start talking about draft them and how they'll fit with the magic just yet. But if you want to have some frame of reference for when we start talking about mm-hmm. those guys a couple months from now, um, pretty, mm-hmm. pretty good bet that the magic will have a uh, top three odds uh, again next year. So anyways, that's going to do it for this week for Luke Sylvia. This has been Jonathan Osborne. You guys are listening to the six man show and we will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to the six man show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. Please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It would really help us out a lot. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Six Man Show and like us on Facebook. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic! I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.